0: It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda. Let me hear you say Bethesda. Oh, come on. Y'all are supposed to be the rowdy service. This is the third service. This is the service for people that like to sleep in. Amen? Come on. Okay, oh, you got, Yeah. Amen? Yeah, exactly. All right. Let me hear you say Bethesda. Yeah. All right. Uh, it says, in Bethesda there lay a multitude of invalids. This would be, I know that sounds really mean. Uh, it's not meant to be mean. It's its meant to be an explanation or, um, you know, kind of a definition of really the people that were inhabiting this place. Sick people, lame people, uh, people born with illnesses. And it says that they were blind, lame, and paralyzed. It says, one man there who had been an invalid for 38 years. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there... And knew that he had already been there for a long time. He said to him, uh, sir, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm going down to the steps, somebody else gets there before me. In verse 8, Jesus doesn't waste any time. He says, okay, get up, take your bed, and walk. How good is God, by the way? How good is God? Just get up, man. Just take your bed. Just go. You're healed. Verse 9 says, and at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. I wonder, would you pray with me today? Let's Let's get into it today. Father, thank you so much for how you're working and moving already in this service. This is your house. We declare that. This is not about us. This is about you. You must increase. We must decrease. You draw all men to yourself, all women to yourself, When Jesus Christ is lifted high. So we lift him high. We just announce that the spirit can move freely here. God, you alone will be glorified and honored and worshipped. Nothing and no one else. In Jesus' precious holy name, we all said as loudly as possible, because this is the third and rowdy service. We all said what? Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, church. We doing well? Yes? Yes? Good to see you. Good to be with you. Our online family. Can we just welcome our online family here today? Yeah. I'm going, to encourage, I'm going to encourage them to do something. I've actually got it pulled up online here. Nothing like preaching live, looking at yourself preaching live. That's good. I'm, I can see my bald spot. That's really great. I love it. Um, anyway, hey, if you're joining with us online, I want you to do something for me. Throw something down in the chat. Let us know who you are and where you're from who you are, where you're from. We already have people online this morning praying with other people, different people throwing their hand emojis, praise emojis. That's great. I think that's important for us. And if you're not able to join us in person, join us online. We're glad to have you. Um, also, for those of you here in person, glad to have you. Hey, for those of us online, can we, can we just <laughs> – that was going to be really weird. Can you just celebrate those in person? All right. Yeah, we're believing that you're clapping there for us. All right, you and your cat next to you. Um. Hey, let's get to work. There's a lot to do today. John chapter 5, we're starting a new chapter, not a new series. Uh, I've enjoyed walking through John. Anybody else? You enjoyed walking through John? Okay, me too. John chapter 5 is a good chapter. I know John 3 gets kind of the glory, right? Because it's got the, you know, famous verse, verse 16, verse 17. But John chapter 5 is not too shabby either. It's pretty good in its own regard, its own right. And one of the things I think it's interesting for us to understand is in the book of John, written by the man John. It's his gospel towards towards us for us uh, according to Christ. John is going to highlight a couple things, and you don't necessarily need to write this down. Um, I would encourage you to write some things down. But but in this chapter, we're going to see John highlighting the, the compassionate nature of Christ. We're we're going to be we're going to see John highlighting the power that Christ has to heal. Uh, John is also equally going to highlight the religiosity. Of, of these religious elite in, in the detriment of a religious system bent on marginalizing people. Now by the way, I still hate that today, don't you? Nothing like a system that marginalizes people. Nothing worse than a religious system that marginalizes people. If you're looking for an exact description of what that means, it means this: Because you know God, you think you're better than somebody else. And you should know this: you're not. Uh, In fact, eighth grade myself would say, you ain't. You know what I mean? You ain't. You ain't better than me. You ain't better than no one else. And so John is going to seek in his conveying of the gospel through his telling of the story of Jesus, he's going to convey these things. But ultimately, John is going to seek to convey something deeper. John, John is going to seek to convey something at a much deeper level. And I, and I think it's important, you know, it's, it's important for us to not just read through Scripture. It's important for us to study. In fact, Scripture says study to show yourself what? Approved. We need to study the Scriptures. We need to meditate on the Scriptures. You should literally not be just reading the verse of the day. God bless you if you are. Wonderful. That's a good first step. But for you now as a Christian going on 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I will, can I lean in here for a minute? Can I, just give me permission, yes or no, yes? Okay. Do not ask me to congratulate you, at now year 15, of being a Christian, do not ask me to congratulate you for reading the verse of the day with some consistency. You need to grow up, right? And so here's the deal, my son is 14, going on 15. If he just now was starting to take a bottle, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, man, you know what, I'm so proud of you. You're taking that bottle, and we've switched to whole milk. That is, look at my son. I'm not going to do that. Patronizing my boy. I'm not going to do that equally. For us as followers of Christ, it's time to grow. And growth means study. And when we study the Scriptures, when we pour over the Scriptures, when we seek the context, the Holy Spirit begins to work and move and reveal His truth to us. All right. So the greater truth in this passage, I'm going to give you the big point, point that we're going to unpack it it's going to get challenging then it's going to get a little bit more challenging as we go on okay but here's the big point it's not number 1 it's the overall point god's grace is made manifest to even the most unworthy god's grace is made manifest to even the most unworthy maybe you could say it like this god's grace is available or made available freely to everyone okay Now, that's very important. But now, I might say that and you're like, oh, great. Uh, Because by defining unworthy, I guess that means, Pastor, you are worthy. Thank you for your arrogance. I thought we weren't marginalizing. Well, first off, let me just thank you. Thank you for the snide comment. I appreciate that deeply. Uh, Very great of you to think highly of me. But that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, for any of us who are followers of Christ you understand that it's not that we are worthy and then deserving of grace. No, it's not that at all. It's only the the grace that Christ offers that makes me worthy at all. I am only worthy because of the grace that Jesus gives to me. And even that grace, even that holiness, even that righteousness is imputed towards me from Jesus. Remember what imputation is? Let's just have a refresher real quick. Jesus on the cross my sins are imputed unto him his righteousness is imputed unto me i in and of myself standing at the edge of the stage i am not righteous but i am counted as righteous because jesus was righteous equally equally jesus was not sinful but he was able to die for my sins why because while he was on the cross i got his righteousness and my sins were imputed unto him even though he was not sinful it was counted As his sin and so the grace that I have is grace that's only given to me not on my merit not on my worth but based on Jesus are you following me this is gonna serve us very well as we go on this is very important in fact we're gonna get into the difference today between common grace and saving grace And, and 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 the reason why this is so important and the reason why John pushes this to the forefront is because most people Maybe even most of us, we will settle for the common grace of God and not the saving grace of God. Most people will settle for the common grace of God and not the saving grace of God. Let's get into that, what that means. John chapter 5, starting verse 3, it says this. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, while I'm going, another steps down before me. Let me give you some historical context. This man is referring to like a, like a legend or a folklore that an angel would come down surrounding these pools, touch a pool, and the first lame man or woman child or would, who would get down into the water, they would be healed. This is like an ancient legend folklore. No truth behind it. But how many of us we, we Sometimes we want to believe something so bad that even it's, if it's ridiculous, we'll, we'll, we'll believe it. Amen? You know what I mean? If you're a Chiefs fan, you don't understand exactly what I'm talking about. You want to believe so badly. I'm just joking. I'm getting death stares from the dude wearing a Chiefs jersey. Um, we, we, there is only one. Uh, we want to believe so bad. Sometimes we want to believe so badly in something that we denounce all reason and logic. And that's exactly what this man was doing. He was saying, hey, there's these angels that come and touch the pond and the the pool, and the first person to get down there, they're healed, but I've never been able to get down there, right? That's his answer. And, and, And it's interesting. When Jesus says, do you want to be healed, look at what the man says. The man doesn't say yes. The man doesn't say please. The man answers with a negative. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The man says, well, I've never been able to get down to the water, you know, and now, I understand it is our instinct to, to think about this man and have a lot of pity, right? I mean, rightfully so. He's been lame for 38 plus years. He is most likely homeless, living off of what people give to him. He, he can't get down to where he needs to go. Clearly, his, his identity is really, is really hurt. He's, he's got the identity of someone being lame by a pool. But notice that when Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He doesn't say, yes, please heal me. He responds with a negative. And now here's what's interesting. Are you with me? Yes? you with me? Yes? Okay. Look at Jesus' response. Do you want to be healed? Man says something negative. And then Jesus just completely bypasses anything the man says and just says, okay, get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. Notice, this gives us such insight to Jesus. Jesus, it wasn't important to him that the man knew who he was in the moment jesus was just giving here it is now common grace common grace he was just showing the man decency compassion now how be it it was supernatural but he he didn't come in and be like hey uh all you invalids come over here i'm jesus i've come to heal you whether you like it or not no he doesn't do that he doesn't say to the man do you want to be healed the man says yes he says okay then confess that i am god he doesn't do any of that he says, do you want to be healed? The man says something negative. Jesus is like, all right, get up your bed and go. You're healed. And he walks away. He walks away from the man. Powerful, purely gracious, but common grace. This demonstrates a couple things. Number one, write this down. We're a church that worships in spirit and in, and in truth. Write this down. Even for us at home, write this down. In fact, somebody write this in the chat for me, would you? Uh, here's the first point. God gives common grace to all. God gives common grace to all. In fact, in our chat, would you just write common grace? Let me see that in the chat today. Common grace. Let's, let's define common grace. Common grace is an expression of the goodness of God in every way apart from salvation. Say that one more time. Common grace is, is an expression of the goodness of God in every way apart from salvation. Now, practically, what does that mean? It means this. You can experience love. You can experience laughter, happiness, breathing. You can experience pizza. Common grace of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Common grace. It means you can experience good things regardless of whether or not you believe in Jesus. You can experience good things regardless of not whether you believe in God. And God gives common grace to all, even though all, and I'm including myself and you, by the way, in that, are unworthy. All of us are unworthy and yet God still allows us to experience common grace. And even deeper than that, by the way, like if you woke up this morning, that's a common grace. You took a breath this morning, that's a common grace. You got a wife, that's a common grace. You got a husband, that might be a common grace. Okay, I'm just saying, okay? Common grace. But here's what's interesting, even deeper than this, common grace. Common grace is demonstrated not just by what God gives, but also what he withholds. In other words, it's a common grace that God hasn't poured out his wrath on this world. It's a common grace that God hasn't brought judgment to this world. It's a common grace that God hasn't eliminated us based on our unworthiness. You understand that, right? So common grace isn't just what God gives us that we don't deserve. God give what common grace isn't just that He gives us what we don't deserve. Common grace is equally that He doesn't give us what we do deserve, which is death. Okay, so the question is this: uh, He demonstrates a common grace to this sick man, but the question is why. In fact, let me just ask you: Why does God demonstrate common grace at all? Why? Why does He offer common grace? Why does He offer us the opportunity to experience justice, peace, love? Happiness, see our children born, pick them up, hold them. That's a common grace. Why do we get to experience that? It's because this, and write this down, grace leads to grace. Put that in the chat, would you, this morning? Grace leads to grace. In fact, let me tell you what that means. John chapter 5, look at this in verse 13. It says, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn, so there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, see, you are well. Well. Go sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. So Jesus heals this man. He withdraws into the crowd, right? He goes away. Later on, he finds the man. He walks up. He's like, hey, I see you're healed. You're still healed. Good. Go and sin no more. Why is this important? So important. It's because Jesus didn't heal this man for the sake of healing. Jesus healed this man. Don't miss this now. Listen. For the sake of holiness. Jesus didn't heal this man just to heal him, just so he could be healed. Jesus healed him for the sake of holiness. You say, what does that mean? It means this. Jesus healed him with common grace, with the belief, the hope, the prayer, that it would lead to, get this now, saving grace. See, grace leads to grace. Grace should lead to grace. In other words, the reason that Jesus showed this man grace was because he was praying, hoping, believing that it would bring about a greater grace. You say, what is a greater grace than a physical healing? An eternal healing. See, what does it benefit you to be physically healed if your soul is broken? What does it benefit you to be very wealthy if you don't have Jesus? Yes, it may serve you well in this life, but in the life to come, you can't take it with you. See... There is hope in this world if you are broken, destitute, and poor, and that hope is Jesus Christ. But even if you are wealthy, whole, and a full back for the 49ers, if you don't know Jesus, it is of no benefit to you in the life that is to come. And so what Jesus does is he shows common grace to bring about a saving grace, to have us say, I recognize that even though I don't deserve that. It's been given, and it leads us to saving grace this is very important very important does this man get it not at all no in fact in between the time when jesus withdraws and then meets him later uh the religiously elite come to this lame man and they're like hey uh hey sir hey hey sir uh uh you're healed you can't do that on a sabbath i don't know who told you to take up your bed and walk and go home that's illegal here around these parts sir and the man's like, I know, I didn't do anything. I didn't even ask for it. This guy came up to me and said, do you want to be healed? I didn't say yes. He just touched me and said, get up and walk. What am I supposed to do? Who is this man? I don't know. He didn't tell me his name. And before I could ask him, he was gone. So what happens? Jesus finds him later. And now what does this man do? What does he do? Verse 15 and 16 and 17. The man goes and tattles on Jesus. He finds out it's Jesus, and he goes to the religiously elite. Does he thank Jesus? No. He goes and tattles on You guys have found out who it was that had the audacity to heal me after 38 years. It's Jesus. And they're like, Jesus. It's Jesus again. We're only five chapters in, and Jesus is making a mess out of our country. Right? Now, here's the deal. We have this rule about tattling in our home. we got five kids, one girl, four boys. Let me just say that again. we got five kids, one girl, four boys. We have a rule about tattling, and it's this. Don't. That's it, pretty much. Don't. Now, we do have a rule. If, if somebody is about to die or lose a limb, come and tell us. Apart from that, don't tattle. In fact, I've said this before. I, I tell my little boys, I'm like, listen, like, why can't, we, why can't we tattle, Dad? And I look at them, I can tell them, I say, the most deeply spiritual thing, I'll look at them right in the eyes and say, because people will hate you if you tell on them. (laughs) And that might not sound very pastorly, but it's honest. If you are a snitch, ain't nobody gonna like you. Okay, so I'm just putting that out there. If that's what you take away from today, it has served you well. This man goes and tattles on Jesus. Jesus healed me, he healed me, right? And the religiously elite, they have a confrontation with Jesus. And by the way, this is why it says, this confrontation that they have, Uh, Look at this in verse 15, 16. The man went away and told the Jews it was Jesus, verse 16. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Unlawful to heal on the Sabbath, and yet here we see Jesus. And I love Jesus' response to his critics. Like They're like, you can just imagine the conversation, Jesus, the audacity you have to heal on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? And by the way, Jesus being Jesus... He could have just flown up in the air and looked like Raiden from Mortal Kombat and had all the lightning and everything coming through him. I am God. You know. He didn't do any of that. But he does offer a pretty significant Jesus clapback. Look at what he says in verse 17. Throw that up there. Jesus answers them. He says this. He says, my father's working until now. Read this next, these next couple words. And so therefore, I am. Okay, uh, let's do that one more time. My father is working until now, and I am. I'm working. Jesus has snap back, has clapped back to them. Who do you think you are? My father's working, so I'm at work. My father doesn't take days off. I ain't taking no days off either. Now, understand, this made people hate Jesus. I mean, like, next level, because as Jesus stated this, what is he saying? My father, wait, I'm sorry, Jesus, who's your father? Oh, God. Um, I'm sorry, Jesus, I think we got a problem here. That's heresy, that's blasphemy. That is grounds for us to kill you. Okay, well, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna continue to heal. The Epic clackback, Jesus is saying, my father doesn't take days off. I don't either. I'm sure that went over really well. Now, what's the point of all this? I'll tell you, because we gotta wrap this up at some point. It's interesting for me because we can read a story like this and we can be like, that's a really interesting story. I've never really read it like that. Um, that's great. And, 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 It it really does teach us about the uh, the compassion of Jesus Christ and and the power and the grace that he gives to even the most unworthy. It's possible for us to hear this story, listen now, don't lose me, and walk away thinking that's just an interesting story. But as I stated before, there is so much going on here. There's something so much deeper uh, that that John wants to convey to us. This story, this account, it's, it's analogous to God's grace in the whole of humanity. And I want to lean in a little bit here, okay? Can you, can you give me permission to lean in here? Yes. Yes. Okay, this half. Okay. Can, can I get it from this half too? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because this is kind of tough. Um, there's a way in which we can read this and walk away saying like, you know what? Well, that was really encouraging today. I should be like Jesus. You know, I should. I should exercise compassion on the marginalized more. I should exercise compassion onto those who aren't like me. And, you know, I should probably keep my eyes out for people who are in situations that are not as good as mine. And, and I should be a blessing to people. And, and I should love on them. And I should demonstrate grace towards them. Real quick, if that's what you're taking from this sermon, just a quick word for you. No. No. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Eric. Are, are you saying that I shouldn't show, show compassion? No, I don't think anybody's saying that. In fact, I don't even think the Bible needs to tell you that. You should just know that in general. You should just be a decent human being. Can I get an amen? Like, the Bible shouldn't say, hey, be a nice person and don't be a jerk. That should just come, like, written in your DNA. You should just know that. That's not what this story is trying to convey. Is it important? Of course it's important. But the danger that we have and not studying this text, listen to me now, is that all too often, we see ourselves, in this story, as Jesus. See how we do that? I need to be more compassionate. I need to reach out to the marginalized. I need to, listen, can I just tell you something? In this story, you're not Jesus. Let's just just use that in general. In any story about Jesus, you're never Jesus. Ever. You're not the hero. You're not the Messiah. You're not a savior. You're not Jesus. In fact, do you know who you are in this story? You're the invalid. Look, like, well, I don't quite like that. Okay, do you know who else you are in the story? You're the religiously elite. That's who you are. That's who I am. And so, what do we take from this story? What is the meaning of this text? Do not read yourself into the story as being a hero. You are not the hero. We are not the Messiah. But we have such a narcissetical understanding of Scripture that we have to read ourselves into the text. Every single time. That spot's reserved for Jesus. You know who we are? We're the unworthy. Every single time. See, the deeper understanding in this text is found in the fact that although God shows common grace to all mankind, Few and far between, listen now, few and far between are those who respond to that common grace and allow it to lead to saving grace. See, the purpose of common grace is not just to make sure that a bunch of people going to hell can have a pretty good time before they get there. The purpose of common grace isn't so that you can have a couple chuckles and then just enter into an eternity without Jesus. No. The purpose of common grace is that grace leads to grace. Common grace should lead to saving grace. Does that get taken advantage of? Yes. Listen, it is a common grace that an atheist can stand up and with breath given to him by God as a common grace, with lungs designed by God given to him as a common grace, with a mind that functions by God as a common grace can utter the words, there is no God. That's a common grace that God gives. It is a common grace that an agnostic can say, there may be, there may not be, but if there is, I hate God. I stand in defiance of God. I am a God. And yet God does not strike that man down is a common grace. It's a common grace to experience love. It's a common grace to hold your wife's hand. It's a common grace to see a child born. And those are good things. But those are common grace moments. Why? For the purpose of bringing you into a saving grace. And few are those who follow that path. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Can I just just say this? The way the gate is wide and the way is easy to destruction, you really don't have to do much to get there. Just live. Then he goes on to say, The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Okay, look at your neighbor real quick. If you're at home watching us, look at your cat and just say, or whoever's sitting next to you, um, look at them and say, Few. Go ahead. Look, no, no, no. Some of you didn't participate. This is, this is full participation right now, okay? Look at the person next to you and say, Few. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if we understand what that means. That means this not a lot. Okay? And so we need to take seriously the words of Jesus when he says, Few will find salvation. Wide is the gate, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Many will find that. But narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few that find it. See, the point of God's common grace in a depraved world is not for the purpose of allowing people to have some good things happen to them, experience some joy, experience some love, experience some happiness, while an eternity of hell awaits them. No, the purpose of God's common grace is that his common grace would lead us to a saving grace. This is why Jesus came. Church, listen, I'm almost done. This is why Jesus came to this earth, to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to make your life better. He didn't come to make you more happy. He didn't come to make you more wealthy. He didn't come to make you more healthy. He came to offer you common grace so that it would lead to saving grace. That is it. And so, listen, i got to speak to you. For those of my brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus, stop settling for the common when you were designed for the great. Stop settling. Well, man, I'm just praying that God gives me money. I'm just praying that God. You are trying to jump into the common when God has already brought you to the saving. You need to lean in. You weren't meant for the good. You were meant for the great. And the problem is in this world, when I say good to great, you think I'm talking about money. You think I'm talking about health. What I'm talking about is your soul. Is there any greater truth than being saved and delivered and freed and forgiven by Jesus Christ? That is the greatest good there ever is going to be. Yeah, that's the greatest good there is. What, does, what good does it do a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? See, most often people ask me, if God is loving, why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? There's a better question than that. You should be asking, if God is righteous, how are you alive? If God is true, if God is real, if God is so holy... How has he not struck me down for what I said the other day in traffic on 71? No, for real. I mean, he really should have. He really should have. See, if God is so loving and gracious and kind, how does anything good happen to us? If God is so righteous, rather, how does anything happen to us as unrighteous? Keep in mind, can I just align us really quick? I'm going to pull a little chiropractic moment here for us because you are not due God's grace. You are not owed God's grace. God does not owe you in sending Jesus. God did not have to come for us but out of his great love for us because of his great affection towards us, God sent Jesus into a world that hated him to save a people that killed him, murdered him, and still walk all over his name. God does not owe you grace but he gives it because he wants you. He gives it because he desires you. And that is uncommon. That is uncommon. So I'm going to finish up real quick. That's an uncommon grace. But just like the man who received grace from Jesus, but ultimately walked away from Jesus, how often, my friends, do we experience life, love, freedom, happiness, and yet we walk away from God, the giver of these things. In fact, Let me ask you this. What good is it if you were healed physically but not eternally? It is truly of no significance. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's truly of no significance. The point that Jesus was making wasn't that he had the power to heal. The point that Jesus was demonstrating was that he had the power to ultimately heal, to give the ultimate grace, saving grace. Friends, we must stop settling for the common when you are desired for the great. And listen, I'm going to close with this, but i, I got to say this. Some of you, you have walked in here today. Listen to me, whether you're joining us live or online, this is so important for, for you to hear. Some of you have struggled your whole life with your worth. And, and, and for some of you, rightfully so, you've been told you're worthless. Like your wife left you, your husband left you, your mom said things to you. You were bullied. Maybe you're being bullied now. Maybe you don't like your weight. Maybe you don't like your height. Maybe you don't like your color. Maybe you don't like your hair. Maybe you don't have hair. I, I don't know. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you used to struggle with it. I mean, the list goes on and on of why we don't find worth in ourselves, but maybe you feel like you are worthless. Can I just tell you something amazing? You have worth to God. And you're like, okay, great, that's beautiful. No, can I prove it to you this morning? You're alive. And that's a common grace. And why does God give common grace? To lead you to a saving grace. So if you're still living, God ain't done. If you're still breathing, it's not over. If you took a breath this morning, that means that God is chasing after you. Well, listen, you don't understand what I've done. I I don't care what you've done. Did you wake up this morning? God's after you. Did you take a breath this morning? God loves you. Based on what? Based on the fact that you're breathing. Based on the fact that you're living. Did you experience the elements today? Did you show up to a church today? Are you alive? Are you watching? Are you here? Are you hearing? Are you thinking? Those are common grace moments. Are you feeling me this morning? Yes? If you're doing those things, it's because God is trying to draw you from grace to grace. Lead you from common to saving. And listen, I'm not going to make any bones about it. Today is the day of your salvation. This is it. This is it. This is the day of your salvation. I've been knowing Jesus for over 30 years now. And in the time that I have been knowing Jesus, I have seen so many people put off, deliberate, wait, shove off Jesus. No longer. You know the truth. You've heard the truth. It's evident that God is chasing you. Today is the day of your salvation. Do you hear me? What excuse could you give? What barrier could you put up? I declare that today is the day of your salvation. So what does that mean? That means today is the day that you surrender your life to a God who is bigger than you, who has given you a grace that you don't deserve for far too long. Listen, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And Scripture says that we believe in Jesus, that he is God, and that God has raised him from the dead. We will be, help me out, church, what? Saved. See, there will come a day of ultimate healing. and Jesus will return, call us home to a place it's heaven. And not, not everyone will be there. In fact, Scripture says Jesus says that the, the gate's very narrow. It's very difficult. But God, because of His common grace, has been withholding judgment. Why? so that more people could know him. In fact, scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to full repentance through Jesus Christ. God delays his return simply for the opportunity that you come to know him. Today's the day. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So scripture tells us of this this God man, Jesus Christ, who came into this world, lived a perfect life, died, rose again so that your sins could be forgiven. Your sins, your filth, My filth, my anxiety, my pain, my guilt, put on him, imputed onto him, murdered, dead, then rose again. See, you've been walking around with these burdens. You've been walking around with these guilt, these guilty feelings, this shame. Why? No longer. Jesus came to take them from you. You've been trying to unload them. You can't. You've been doing therapy. It's not helping. You need a healing. healing that only Jesus can give to you. It's not a physical healing. It's not an emotional healing. It's not a mental healing. It's your soul. Come on, you can't tell me that you don't know that. You haven't been aligned with Christ. You try to fill. <laughs> You try to fill that rift with everything. You filled it with her, it didn't work. You filled it with your job, it didn't work. You filled it with that man, you filled it with that sport, you filled it with that fill in the blank. It just never works. And you get to a place, after you've tried so much stuff, that you're like, man, what's wrong with me? Listen, it's not what's wrong with you, it's what's wrong with us. We're broken. <laughs> broken. You're like, okay, so Jesus came to fix us? No. He didn't come to fix you. He came to make you new. Come on, hear me this morning. He didn't come to fix you. He came to make you new. And he's been showing you goodness since the day you were born. With the hope and the prayer that one day, you would turn around and realize that it's been him all along. That he's been there all along. He's been chasing you all along. Through your divorce, he was there. Through the loss of that child, he was there. Through the battle with alcohol, he was there. Through that struggle with that addiction, he was there. When you declared bankruptcy, that he was there. When you lost your job, that he was there. And he continues to pursue you, keeps giving you breath on the off chance that that common grace would lead to saving grace. And so today, right now, I declare that today is the day of your salvation. Eyes closed, heads bowed, pray with me. I don't have any words for you specifically. It's not a magic prayer. It's just the belief, the faith. And by the way, God gives that freely to you as well. (laughs) So this morning, if you want to follow this Jesus, if you want to know this God, then just in your own words, tell him. God, I need you. God, I want you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you have been after me. I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me whole. Make me new. Make a home in heaven for me that I can join you there. Whatever your heart would cry out, have it cry out right now. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Come on. We're not going to rush this moment. Take a moment right now. And if you prayed, I made a move towards Jesus today. I don't want to embarrass you. We're not gonna do anything, call out your name, anything like that. But I, I do want to celebrate you and I do want to pray for you. So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have everybody just keep their eyes closed. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you're in person, when I count to three here, you prayed a prayer to follow Christ. I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. If you're online, I want you to put a hand up emoji in the chat. When I count to three, if you prayed or made a movement towards Christ today, are you ready? And here's the deal. Listen, nobody's going to call you out and embarrass you, but this is the first step. Okay? and it needs to be a bold one. Today's the day of your salvation. Don't, don't chicken out now. Ready? If you made a decision for Christ today, when I count to three, regardless of who you're sitting next to, raise your hand. One, two, come on, here we go. Three, right now, raise your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I see you, little man. Yeah, I got you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I can put your hands down. All right. That's a lot of people. And praise God for that. But we're going to do this one more time because there's a lot of you who, uh, you know, you you, you got to have somebody go first. And now they did. So we're going to do this one more time. And this time, if you... Made a decision. I'm going to encourage you to raise your hand with the many others. Come on, today is the day of your salvation. Let's go. One, two, be bold. Three. Raise your hand. If you prayed that this morning, yes. Praise Jesus. Come on. Come on. You prayed that prayer this morning, you raise your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You can put them down. Hey, church, can we just celebrate those who gave their life to Jesus Christ today? Come on, church. This is why we exist. This is why we exist. Listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, we want you to fill out a card. We're over here. We want to resource you. This is why we exist as a church. Do not leave without at least writing down your name so we can get in contact with you. Can we just praise God this morning one more time? It just doesn't get old, honestly. Amen. Amen. God's doing some really big things in our church. Uh, We've seen so many people meet Jesus today, and we do not take that lightly. What an incredible thing that God is doing here. I hope you know that. I hope you know how special it is what God is doing in this house. I know He's doing special things in other churches as well, and that's all well and good. I'm thankful, but I'm super thankful He's doing some awesome work in this house. Amen? Amen? Can we pray? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in your house, whether we're joining in person, whether we're online. We celebrate those and the many who have come to know you today. God, we advance your kingdom. We build your kingdom. We lift high the name of Jesus. We will not back down. We will not shirk down. We will not step down. God, we will advance the name of Jesus Christ in this generation. We will continue to carry the banner, ambassadors of Jesus, carry the flag, seek and save the lost until the day that we expire. Move here. This is your home. This is your platform. This is your house. We will stand back and give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name and all of our church, because this is the rowdy third service, all said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week, church.